The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And hello there, and welcome back to hour number two of WGBB Sports Talk on 95.9 FM, 1240 AM, WGBB. Gary Harding and John Panneries with you for the next for this next 60-minute piece where we are going to have Tim Boyle from the Rising Apple talking New York Mets and Paul Kreischer from Isles Talk talking about the New York Islander draft. John, welcome back to Hour 2. Here we go. You, your, your, your coffee uh, is, was done a long time ago, but as it kicked in, you're ready? Yeah, yeah. Ready I, I should be fine. All right. No thanks to Brian. But no thanks to Brian, but yeah. we appreciate it anyway. Okay. <laughs> That's a running joke. You have to be yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... We are going to welcome in our guest for the first portion of the show. He is a frequent contributor to WGBB Sports Talk. Great guy and a ardent Met writer for the website called Rising great, Apple. Great website. Absolutely great, stuff. great website. If you don't subscribe to it, you need to because it's a great place to get your Met information. And Tim Boyle joins us on WGBB Sports Talk. Tim, it's Gary and John. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Good. But yeah. i got to ask you a real serious question. Okay. Uh-oh. The Mets just picked up Rich Hill, two years older than the manager. Okay. I'm 57 years old. I'm a left-hander. I, I threw high school ball. I never got faster than 75 miles an hour, but I threw good junk. Do I got a shot? Uh, how fast did you say you could throw? 75. Okay, well, Rich Hill, you know, he's, he has that uh, 69-mile-per-hour uh, curveball that he throws. <laughs> so, so you're saying there's hope. There's hope. <laughs> I, I like that you bring up, because Rich Hill, I, I, one thing about this year that really um, irked me was that this was the first year I think the Mets opened the season with a roster where everybody was younger than me. So I'm ecstatic <laughs> to have Rich Hill here right now. 41 years old. I've got almost a decade left before I'm there. So hey, maybe we can be teammates one day. Well, you know, you know how, you know how old we. Uh, it just tells you how old we are. Okay, Dwight Gooden was born a year after me. Okay, okay so so in 1984, cool. I was beginning to feel old. Well, I wasn't alive yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, th- thanks, Tim. That, yeah, thanks, that, Tim. that makes me feel great. But, it, but man, a hundred game, hundred games in, and could uh, you couldn't believe in your wildest dreams that we'd be sitting here talking as we approached the trade deadline a week away that the Mets got a four game lead. And it, it and we talked earlier in the show. I don't know if you got a chance to listen, but it's it's a great testament to this organization that they've gotten production and got responses from just about everybody and we I, I can't remember ever saying that in years that you got you know every every guy on this roster has done something at some point to be a critical yeah, cop everybody's team. played a hero at you know at some point yeah definitely um i think the difference between now and the last few years is that this has been ongoing Whereas we remember there was the Rajah Davis game where he took the Uber uh, down from Syracuse or wherever it was. <laughs> I think it was uh, Lehigh Valley. He might have even been there. Um, Carlos Gomez had a big hit. But when we look back at that, that was only about a month span. But we're we're almost in August now, and still uh, there's guys that aren't even on the roster anymore that were big contributors in games. Guys like Billy McKinney um, and then uh, uh, Fargus, who just got who they just yeah, lost just on waivers. Yeah, but they've had, like you said, they've had, there's a different hero every night. Um, Tomas Nito had that nice two-week stretch where he just seemed to 
hit a home run late to tie the game or give them a lead. Uh, so this is definitely one of those teen years more than anything else. I know they do have uh, some stars leading the way, but um, nobody's really stood out, especially when you look at the uh, overall numbers other than uh, DeGrom. And who knows when he'll be back. Right. right. But before you get to your question, John, I just want to say, if you go on to risingapple.com, Tim wrote a great article yesterday, and, and I'll just read the, the, the headline. It's an ode to Billy McKinney, our dearly departed 39-game wonder. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I love this kid. I love his passion. And I thought, oh, this is great. You know, maybe it'll motivate, you know, some of the guys. And he really did. And it's just a shame that, unfortunately, the numbers cause them to go. But definitely, folks, if you're, if you're checking out their site, read the article. It's really good. Go ahead, John. Well, that's kind of along the lines of the question I was going to ask. I mean, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> if if you if you going back to March and April, and and you looked at this team and and you know the the roster on paper, and if I had said to you, you know, by August first, this team's going to be in first place, but we're going to have at, at certain times of the season 13 or 14 guys on the IL, and you're going to have a bench mob that's basically, you know, going to win us games. Would you have believed in your wildest dreams that that would have been possible? I would have thought that was possible if maybe the Atlanta Braves, the Phillies, and the Nationals just stopped, stopped existing. <laughs> Other than that, it really, it's, it's inconceivable. I mean, the, the fact that they're in first place isn't a surprise. But that they've been in first place this long with the players they've done it with, that's just tremendous. And I don't think anybody's really coming for them. The Phillies are the closest, but they've got their own issues. Uh, the Nationals are pretty much one loss away from just giving it in. And the Braves, I, I, I think they're kind of in the same position. Uh, so really, it's, it's, it's amazing what they've been able to do with so little uh, really – Actually, on paper, I mean, you look at any of the stats, nothing really blows you away. Even Walker now, his ERA is up in the mid-threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow, some way, they've managed to squeak in a lot of wins. And, you know, as we were saying, it, it, it seems to be happening from just about everybody. But you look at, you know, again, with the great start that, that Jacob had and, and we're hoping and praying. I know, I think he had a bullpen session today and off the mound. And hopefully, you know, that's going to say maybe by... By maybe next week, you get him back. Um, you know the Rich Hill deal. I mean, I, I admit I saw one of his two starts with the Long Island Ducks. You know, about eight years ago. You know, and how he got made it back into the major leagues and you know turned into a, into a great career. And he's I I mean I love again because he's a left hander like me, but but he eats innings, and I think he will do a lot of innings eating. And you got to be happy as a Met fan for. You know the uh, the sounds of Carrasco having a good outing at Syracuse yesterday. I mean, is are there are there talk of him potentially coming coming up to uh, to Flushing in the next say seven to ten days? Yeah, I think with Carrasco, there was a thought originally that he might have started uh, today or even one of the games tomorrow in the doubleheader, but uh, that's obviously not going to happen. I think what's going to happen is it's just going to suddenly uh, we're going to hear the news one morning that he's starting. Uh, it's going to kind of surprise us. But I would not be surprised if they just kind of tossed him out there. Uh, one possibility is maybe they're just waiting to see what they're able to pick up before the deadline because if they are able to bring in 
a uh, true starter into the, onto the mm-hmm. team, they might be able to give him another rehab star. Uh, don't push him too far. Um, but then again, there's also the doubleheader tomorrow. Right. So then they're kind of very uh, starting pitching needy all of a sudden. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very quick that he comes in, and uh, I would not be shocked if it's this week. What are your thoughts about the future, the remaining 60-plus games with the bullpen? I mean, it's really been worked to the max. Um, we really need to get some deep starts you know, more than five innings from, from our starting pitching because I, I think the strain on the bullpen you're starting to see here and there. Uh, do you think the Mets, are they just going to go for a starter? Do you think they're going to try to get somebody else to help sure up, you know, the late innings? Yeah, I think they'll definitely uh, look to get some relief help, um, maybe even more than one guy. It's definitely been a concern of mine all season long was that when is this bullpen going to break? And we have seen some moments. Uh, Lugo hasn't been that terrific. And uh, I, I think I think it's definitely something that they need to uh, address. Uh, they've been fortunate that they haven't had too many injuries to their main relievers. But um, that's, you're kind of playing with fire, yeah. uh, just continuing with what you have right now. Uh, some guys are pitching out of their minds, Aaron Loop especially. Yes, he's been uh, tremendous. Yeah, yeah, he, he, and Diaz has had his bad moments, but um, overall... He's been pretty good overall. Yeah, he's been good. That's except the, when I go. The tough part with... <laughs> Sorry, Jim, except <laughs> when I go to games. I was, at, I was at the game last Sunday with Pittsburgh, and... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, he, he has those games maybe once a month, once every other yeah. month, and when they're ugly, they are ugly. Yes, exactly. But I think it's been, you know, again, growing up, you know, being Met fans, you know, as John and I have been for, you know, five decades, we're used to implosions. You're younger, you've seen them, but, you know, we've seen it all along. But it's it's been a great testament that they're able to, you know, to get these, you know, these, um, you know, like, uh, what they call openers or whatever, and, and get the couple innings and get guys going. But then, you know, as you said, you know, they've been pretty much injury-free. But, I mean, I literally heard when I left the house today to pick up John to come to do the show that uh, David Peterson broke his toe walking on the, you know, on the uh, on the floor in the, in the uh, clubhouse, and he's now out for the year. How do they make this stuff up? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it's kind of ridiculous, but I mean, again, that that bodes well for our futures uh, playing for the next. <laughs> <laughs> I have one flat foot, and it's very awkward to walk sometimes. Jeez. But no, that, that 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 was a very odd injury, and it was a very um, vintage Mets injury. It, it's definitely the the starting rotation is a concern, and um, if, as the previous question too. About the innings they're going, I don't think Strowman's ever had a 100 inning, uh, 100 pitch, 100 inning, 100 pitch outing uh, since he joined the Mets, which is kind of ridiculous. And the other night, uh, Tyler McGill, he, he was at I think about 78 pitches, maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. when they took him out. And uh, my concern with him is I think he's just going to reach an innings limit this year, and no matter how well he pitches. So, yeah, the, the starting rotation. It's doing well, but I don't know. It's definitely something um, they need to be concerned about, especially with Peterson's latest injury. Well, taking a look at the at the season, give me 
a name of one Met who has been a really pleasant surprise or just something that's kind of come out of nowhere, and give me the name of a Met who you think has really been disappointing, has really just not shown us what he really needs to show? Well, I'll start with the uh, second half because that's easy. That's definitely got to be Conforto. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. he is, one thing that he always seemed to be able to do is he would always be able to pop the home run every so often. It, his power just hasn't been there. I know he's shown a little more positivity lately, but overall his season has been really bad, and I think he dragged down the team uh, when he's doing this way. He, he's been, throughout his career, a guy who performs really well in Mets victories and not so much when they lose. <laughs> so he's definitely been the uh, biggest disappointment. Um, the guy who's done more, wow. Um, it, it's tough because it, it seems like guys will be doing really well for a while and then they'll just go in a slump, come down to earth again. Um, Jose Peraza, I mean, his clutchness has been pretty terrific. I forget Mm -hmm. what the exact numbers are, but I think he was hitting something like over 400 in late high leverage situations or some ridiculous... Yeah, he's been very clutch. I I really like him. Unfortunately, he got hurt too. and. You know, it's, it's a real bummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I can't really say one guy has really impressed me overall. Uh, yeah, it, it, I guess it comes back to there's somebody t- picking up the slack for everyone else uh, each night, and that's how they're managing to win yeah. games. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll just add to that because I know um, when Gary Thorne uh, did the, uh, the covering for uh, Gary Cohen this past weekend, he was raving about about uh, about VR because he, obviously he covered him a couple of years in in Baltimore, and um, I think what, two years ago he had that twenty something home run eighty RBI season for the Orioles when they were playing so badly, and he he really praised him and I I like I like his versatility and to me his glove work you know there's that one game where he really had you know bit the farm and had the three errors but other than that instance other than that one instance I've really been impressed with his. With his versatility in the infield, and you know, again, the the ability to get a clutch hit, and that's what this, you know, we've always been complaining about the fact that the Mets, you know, for years had such a inept ability to get you know to get guys on with runners in scoring position, but you know, and, and for some guys, they seem that's the time when they when they've shined, yeah. and I've really liked both VR and Pilar's play, you know, the the rhyming names there, but I, I think those two guys have been a great introduction to the team you know and when they get healthy they go back to their roles that they should have been and you know again this this is this is a a club that just surprises you yeah definitely i I think those two um they bring much needed elements to the team vilar he can play uh every infield position and i'm sure he can play the outfield if needed and he also brings that extra element of speed that the uh mets are Missing, especially with Lindor out. But other than those two, uh, you can't really trust too many other players on the team to even steal a base. And uh, Pilar, I mean, what he brings to the locker room, I think we don't even really truly see uh, the way he bounced back from getting hit in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. One of those intangibles that really helped the club. What about Lindor? What What is your feel? I, when When I was saying about guys who have kind of been disappointing, that's the guy I thought you were really going to go to. You know, I completely forgot he even existed. <laughs> $340 million, and you forgot him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely been a disappointment, I, which is odd, though, because he actually, I don't know how much you care about war. He was actually second on the team in war in mm-hmm. the first half, which is kind of tremendous, uh, however they calculate that arbitrary number. Um, but, yeah, he, he's definitely been a huge disappointment. I, I think the difference between him and a lot of the other uh, disappointments on the team is he hasn't had that one huge game, that one huge Mets moment yet. But, um, hey, maybe it'll happen in October. I hope so. Well, he's got nine, he's got nine years to prove. But, um, <laughs> you know, but we, as we talked earlier, the trade deadline is coming up on Friday. Um, you know, this would, normally we, when we're talking trade deadline for the Mets, we'd be saying, okay, who are we going to get rid of? Who's going to leave? Who's going to, you know, do whatever? But this usually is usually selling. Right. We're usually <laughs> sellers, but I think in this case, we've got to be buyers. Um, you know, the one, the one name that you constantly hear, you know, from these, uh, experts at ESPN or MLB Network or whatever is the possibility of Chris Bryant coming, you know, from the Chicago Cubs who seem to be imploding and I think are going to be dumping major league in the next, Three or four days. Uh, could you see a scenario of, of Chris Bryant maybe put into third base and, like as I was saying before, putting guys like you know Pilar and VR back into a role of filling in and covering and you know being versatile and playing anywhere on the infield? What's your thoughts about the potential, well, the potential of possibly Mr. Uh, Bryant coming into a Met uniform? Well, first I'll give you a name that uh, the Mets really should be considering. Uh, it's a guy uh, you must be familiar with, Todd Frazier, who's currently playing with the Sussex Minors in the Independent League. Actually, yeah. that's not true. He is playing for the U.S. Olympic team right now. Oh, He's in oh okay. Well, I saw I saw something on Facebook that he was. Uh, he was. He did play. He he covered yeah. in Sussex because when, when the Pirates released him, he played for Team USA in a couple of the, in the uh, in the draw. Then for about two weeks, he played with Sussex just to stay in game shape. Uh, but as a matter of fact, um, I saw. A video of him actually behind the um, the flag bearers when they went on the opening ceremony. Yeah, he's playing for Team USA right now. Well, let's hope he does better than the U.S. men's basketball team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, but yeah, back to back to Bryant. Um, he's been, he's been a great. He would be a great fit for the Nets. But do they really even need him? And what would they do with the rest of the roster? Mm-hmm. I mean, he would obviously play, play uh, third base primarily, which then moves Davis into a part-time role. Maybe he can play some left field, maybe even some right field. And Brian can do those things, too. He can play left field. He's playing right outfield field. right now for the Cubs. Yeah, and I think it was at the All-Star game he said that his preferred choice is center field, but he's not very good center fielder anyway. And that might have just been Bryant just trying to drum up some controversy or just trying to up his uh, next free agent contract say, and have something to say. Um, but, but just switching gears, of course, um, about 10 days ago, you know, the, uh, the MLB draft happened. And, and, I, and I, it's funny, I've never watched any of an MLB draft ever. But um, about I guess about two or three weeks ago they talked about MLB Network was talking about the dynamic duo from Vanderbilt University, which was Kumar and uh, Mr. Leiter, which is which son of Al. And um, I was very impressed um, from the stories that came out from both of them. And, 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 of course, many of the experts were expecting both of them to be drafted very high. Uh, Leiter was drafted number two, I believe. But, um, you know, Kumar Rocker ended up dropping to the Mets' lap at number 10. And... 
I am very impressed with this young man. I know you may have done some uh, homework on him, but what are your thoughts about about him uh, potentially uh, maybe in a couple of years stepping onto the mound at City Field? Yeah, with the baseball draft, it's always um, tough to really know what pe- what's going to become of people. It's it's what they call they say you can never really predict what's going to happen. You'll see one guy from the top ten ever become a star, and then suddenly a bunch of third rounders are much better than him. But uh, Kumar uh, Rocker, the one thing that's just amazing is that. We've known about him for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, people who don't even follow amateur baseball, so it's definitely exciting to get him. I, I don't really follow the college sport that much, but based on what everyone says, is that was an amazing pick. I mean, the Mets lucked out that the other owners were cheaping out and not wanting to pay the slot dollar uh, amount to other draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, ahead of them so they, they they they're really fortunate to have uh such a young stud coming up and they could they could use the starting pitching help too i mean i know they have matt allen recovering from tommy john surgery uh jt ginn mm-hmm. he just uh returned from his own that he uh had before even getting drafted so they're restocking the farm with uh, some amazing pitching talent and i think it's really gonna bode well for them in the future who right now uh, as far as met prospects would be ready to maybe take a shot at the team, you know, when they have the call up in September, we might get a look at, and you know, who might be challenging for jobs next season. Well, oh, I, know, geez, uh, I know, I know, Tim just wrote an article on uh, on Rising Apple, yeah, so if you want to go check that's it out, what I want. he could give you a name right now. <laughs> he, he's Francisco Alvarez isn't ready. No, I no, know we just, know that, but I just, but I, I just wanted to segue into. <laughs> we want to plug the article, yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's a top ten prospect now, though. That, that, that surprised me. I didn't think he was going to rise up that quickly. That's just tremendous to see a catching prospect for the Mets ranked that high. I don't know if they've, maybe Darno, uh, was at some point ranked that high, but I can't imagine that early on in his minor league career. I mean, you, you want to feel old. Francisco Alvarez is 19 years old and he's the seventh or eighth best prospect in baseball. And this is his, I think his, uh, would have been his third professional season if he had played last year. So that, that kid is young. He has time to figure out anything. So the sky's really the limit with him. So I think a lot of people are guessing he'll be here by 2023. Um, if it takes him until 2024, so be it. He's still going to be a young stud player. I, I am, I am very excited to see what he can do. I, and I guess because of a lot of the moving around the players and things like that, that it's, it's made um, the 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 team's uh, struggle. I I I haven't seen it lately, but I know Syracuse's numbers, you know, win loss numbers were were absolutely brutal. Is it is that the same crescendo kind of effect happening in the rest of the minor league system? Yeah, last time I checked, um, the other minor league teams in the Met system weren't doing that great. Uh, if you, I check in on the Rumble Ponies every so often mm-hmm. and. They don't really even have anybody that's doing that well. I think the problem with Syracuse is they have a couple of pitchers with some horrific numbers. They had a guy, they had a, I don't even remember his name. I was looking at it. He was like 0 and 8 with an 8.82 ERA. <laughs> wow. And it's, it makes me wonder why they're even keeping on to those guys and rather than stretching out some of the guys like, uh, Tropiano, I wanted him to be stretched out and maybe possibly be an emergency starter, but, uh, that hasn't been the case. It's not the biggest problem in the world. No, 
No, I mean, you know, but <laughs> I, I think, though, you know, the, the, it's good that the Mets are, you know, they're restocking their minor league system because that's really been, you know, a lot of stuff that I've read over the years, that's really been the shortcoming for this team, you know, other than obviously, the you know, the pitching prospects. But overall, we really have not had a strong, you know, farm system compared to a lot of the other teams in the major leagues. And hopefully that will change in the next couple of years. And playing in Vegas didn't help either. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, I, I think a big problem, too, is that um, a lot of their first-round picks have been traded in recent years. Uh, Justin Dunn, Anthony Kay. Um, I think I think there's one other Kalenic, obviously. They they really unloaded a lot of high yeah. draft picks after uh, 2016. Well, um, I'll give you I'll give uh, as we end this I'll give you a little age story again, going back to my my age. Um, my my nephew lives in Tampa, Florida, and one of his best friends um, was a pitcher at Jesuit High School in Tampa, Florida. He ended up being a first round draft pick for the New York Mets in 1990. I want to say 90-something, 96, 97. His name was Jeff Getz. And the name should be familiar because in 1997, he was was traded to the Florida Marlins for some guy named Mike Piazza. (laughs) And I've actually, I know Jeff very well, and he's he's a... um, a high school coach down in Florida, and he got that great bonus for uh, for signing with the New York Mets, and he got traded to, you know, he was doing really well in the Mets system. They traded him to the Florida Marlins, and he blew his arm out. So just shows just shows my age. But anyway, listen, Tim, we appreciate the, uh, the time you joining us on the show. But uh, while we got you here, and again, we know it, we love it, but uh, please plug the site, plug the guys you write with, and, and tell us, everybody, how to get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, so the site's risingapple.com. All your Mets opinions, takes, news, history, anything you could possibly want to know about. And uh, of course, we're always welcome to uh, let on new writers, people that are passionate, want to learn, just want to voice their opinions. Uh, again, that's risingapple.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. It's Baseball Boil. I don't really tweet much about sports anymore, mostly just silly nonsense. <laughs> well, listen. You said you need writers. Uh, could you still take a fifty-seven-year-old that uh, only throws up to seventy, maybe seventy-five miles an hour? If I really work hard at it, <laughs> we'll talk about it off the air. Yeah, okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Listen, Tim. We always appreciate you joining WGBB Sports Talk. Have a great rest of the summer, and uh, hopefully, we're going to be uh, getting you uh, in September, or October to talk playoffs. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, GM. Yes. All right. Take care, man. Okay, again, that's Tim Boyle from RisingApple.com. Please, please, please subscribe to them. They're a great site. It's a group of guys, really. Excellent outfit to get your daily Met fix. Uh, When we come back from the final break of the night, uh, the the resident, uh, I guess, quasi-third wheel of the show, Paul Kreischer from Isles Talk, who I now call Nostradamus Kreischer. And uh, we're going to talk about the Islanders in the draft and the prospects for free agency and what's going to happen with this team for the summer. Gary and John back on WGBB Sports Talk. One more segment to go. Brace up, folks. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. 
Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we are back on WGBB Sports Talk for the last segment of our show. Gary Harding, John Panarese with you. Uh, we just uh, had a great talk with Tim Boyle of the Rising Apple. We talked about the New York Mets. We are going to go back to the New York Islanders. Um, now, when you look at the names, John, of some of the great thinkers in our world, you know, what do you come up with? Isaac Newton? Yeah. Einstein, Albert Einstein? Einstein. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's funny. I was just out in out at Southhold over the weekend, uh, and there's a, actually a place in, in downtown Southhold called Einstein Square. It's a really cool thing. He actually spent one of his summers out there and actually wrote letters to FDR talking about the fact that, the U.S. can possess a nuclear bomb and stuff. It's really, really cool, you know, uh, history lesson. But, you know, like I said, we talk about Newton. We talk about Einstein. We talk about Nostradamus. And I think in the same sentence, we got to add a new name. Yeah, I think so. I and think that man is Paul Kreischer. Yes, I'm, I have to bow down to the, him. The guru of Isles Talk, the man among men. Giant among a men. Giant among men. That's right. <laughs> I was going to be nice to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. Come on, I, I uh, put you with the greats. Yeah. I put you with the greats. What can you uh, not like about that? Yeah, but before we continue this mess, uh, <laughs> happy birthday going out to longtime fan of your show and of Isles Talk, Joe Panettiere. Oh, that's right. Happy uh, birthday, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. I think, you know, his text messaging was a little slurry, so I don't want to even discuss his condition at the moment. But <laughs> Happy birthday going out there to Joe. There you go. All right. All right. Now we're uh, we're locked on you, dude. Oh, hold on for one more minute, boys. Let me help you out with that little Mets with Todd Frazier. Yes. Sussex Miners is literally a half hour away from my house, mm-hmm. and I was at a game, and he was signing as many autographs as he could for the kids, and I went down to him, and I asked, are you playing on the Mets this year? He just looked at me and grinned. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Might come back. That'd be interesting. So there's there's a little bit of inside quote unquote inside info for you. See, that's why Maybe. I put you with mm-hmm. Nostradamus. See? See, that's why you're a giant among men. Come on, there you go. See? That was brutal luck. <laughs> I, I mean, I will honestly say, I mean, you know, I I follow his Instagram account, and 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 Todd is is tremendous not only with the kids, but he's also great, you know, charity wise in the community. So I mean, he's you know. You know, people may may uh, get on him, but he's a but he's a great uh, he's a great mensch. So I, I that would be a great uh, thing for Met fans if he comes back because he's he's he is one yeah. thing he's definitely is passionate about the guys that he plays for, you yeah, know, play, plays with. So that's a good thing. So uh, all right, so, all right, uh, so let's talk about about the the real reason why you have me on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So we did talk to uh, Gil Martin earlier, and we talked about obviously some of the. Uh, you know things that are going on, and you know what's what the potential is. But you know, and, and and I say this honestly when we talk about Paul. Paul is really very versed into the prospect pool. 
you know, he, he talks with a lot of uh, scouts and guys and, and gets some, some good information. And, you know, before I had a, a chance to even mention anything about the draft, um, our, you know, our second-round pick scores four goals in a tournament. I'm like, oh, we couldn't have fell into a better, be, no, better uh, puddle of mud than what we got in the second round. Yeah, talk about this. Second guy. round, second round, and third round, gentlemen. But let's let's talk about uh, uh, Rato, uh, Rato here. Uh, he was supposed. He was the be- in, in the beginning of the season. He was ranked number one on some scouts. Yeah, because I remember as, reading that way back that his yeah, name came up in the early. He was supposed to go number one in the yeah. draft, and. From the information we're starting to get now, uh, he was on a very good Carpot team, which is one of the top finished teams still, and he couldn't adjust from playing with players his own age to playing against men. And his numbers drastically went down, uh, his minutes went down, and he fell out of favor. So what ended up happening was that a lot of the uh, other scouts and the people who follow, you know, the draft, they all had him at least in the top 15. They didn't, no one expecting him to drop to number 52. And when he finally fell, this felt like Oliver Wallstrom dropping into the Islanders' lap. Back in 2018, this has a this has a Dobson Wallstrom feel. Now, I don't think Rato is going to be as good as Oliver Wallstrom, but if his development is on target, you could have a second line version to Matthew Barzell, which is saying a lot. Absolutely it is saying a lot, a lot. but I, I I will say this. From what I've been able to research on him and some of the film I have been able to see, the kid has the tools, but he doesn't know how to build. If you understand where I'm going with this, he needs, he needs a little more tutelage on how to build up his game. He has all the tool sets. He, he, he needs an instruction manual. Right. And this is where Lou and company come into place. Right, and if they can develop him, oh goodness! Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just so, very ironic the way th- the way things worked out when they did. Um, but I know when I talked to you yesterday, um, and, and I saw a lot of uh, you know writing about it. You know, but um, you know the third pick, as you said, is even a more more interesting pick. You know, for the Islanders, and I know they have to. At some point, address the youth goaltending situation. Obviously, we know all the, the story about Ilya Sorokin, but why don't you just go uh, tell us a little bit about the third pick and what that player could mean to the Islanders potentially down the road? Well, Tristan Lennox is out of uh, Saginaw, a uh, big kid. I think he's like 6'4", 190 pounds right now. Um, good size. Um, did not have a great season the year before. Didn't have a season at all last year, but there is potential in him uh, for him to be a, a possible NHL backup. That's supposedly his ceiling. And, again, with Sorokin here for the next, I don't know, 
let's have fun with it for the next decade. Having someone like Lennox, uh, again, he basically fell into the Islanders' lap as well. Uh, many, many out there had him in the low 50s, upper 50s, and there he is, you know, dropping way down in the third round. So um, it, 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 it is a gamble. Like I said, Ontario Hockey League did not have a league anything last year due to COVID. Uh, but, again, big guy, fairly fast. And if you put him in with uh, Mitch Korn for a few years, the Islanders may have something. So um, it's it's going to be interesting, but patience is definitely a virtue, and development is utmost importance here, uh, especially for this draft class. But Tristan Lennox, you're looking at a possible backup for the Islanders. Well, what about the rest of the the picks? I, I've every it seemed from what I've read, all the the, the picks they really got were were really potentially NHL caliber players. Yeah, to a degree. Uh, Liukin, I believe, is the other Finnish winger. He's a big boy. If there's going to be one comparison to him, I think he's going to be like a Matt Martin with a little more scoring touch. Uh, him, uh, um, Roku, and um, uh, Rajaniemi, the other 2020 uh, draft pick from the Islanders, they're all on Team Finland right now participating in the uh, – World Junior uh, summer, summer Games. Yeah, summer Showcase, I think it's called. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they're all, they're all playing for um, Finland right now, um, which is a good sign. But uh, the other players right now, Cameron Berg, uh, he's, you know, he's in the U.S. Development League. He's going into college. I'm not worried about him just yet. And the other players, you know, they put up good numbers, but the probability of them in the NHL right now is, you know, not – 50%. So mm-hmm. all these kids are pretty much going to need some time to develop. And, you know, I just don't think, you know, any of them are going to see Bridgeport anytime soon. I think, you know, maybe one of them next year. Now, was it hours. was it more of the fact that, you know, the most of the Canadian and, you know, in U.S. Junior Leagues played either a very minimal or almost no, or in some, in the case of the OHL, no, no schedule that a lot, I mean, I know a lot of the Islander picks, it looks like we're going to call ourselves the Helsinki Islanders, but <laughs> is it just the yep. fact that because of that, that most of the picks seem to come from a European or Russian aspect because of the fact that they had actual, you know, actual leagues and actual play during, you know, this, this past season? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And what I mean, a, a lot of teams had to go through was, you know, games that they had seen the previous year. And I'm sure they had a ton of Zoom conversations, you know, with these players' coaches, with other scouts, so on. You know, they literally took research to another level this year. So I'm sure that whatever they learned how to scout in terms of research, I'm sure they're going to acclimate that to their system when it comes to you know, scouting these kids from now on. So, yeah, this was a completely different level. And you're right, it is because, you know, Europe did have more games played this year than, than Canada. Looking at the, the overall, the, the picks, I mean, I, like I said, I've, I read in a couple of places, and a lot of people were giving the Islanders a C for the draft. 
it, it, would you kind of put that in the same realm, or do you think the Islanders maybe got a couple of guys under the radar? Maybe it's above a C. I, 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 I agree with them for now. I'm going with a C plus, and the reason why I'm giving them a C plus is a when you when you're in a draft, the hope is to have two to three players making the team, the NHL team, at some point. The Islanders did not have a first-round pick this year, even though they had gotten a first-round talent in the second round. You're looking at, hopefully, two of these players making it with the big club. The other ones, in all honesty, we just don't know yet. Now, the possibility of good development from these kids will eventually raise this grade up probably to a B or B plus. And that you know the B plus is about as high as I will go because there's just no there's no guarantee of the other ones. But for now I give the grade a C plus with the with the possibility of that going up much higher, say in about five years. Right, okay. because you know, I mean, you know, you always can. Yeah, you don't expect that diamond in a rough come. I mean, Andrews Lee was a sixth round draft, sixth or seventh round pick. You know, you don't expect those guys necessarily to be, you know, coming into the realm that they did. You know, it, it's you just hope. I would assume, you know, from a scouting standpoint, when you're looking at these kids, that hopefully they have the summer of their life and and work their tails off to right. to get to that. You know, make themselves improve that level and. You know that's all you can hope for these guys. But let's let's switch a little gears. Um, sure. We have um, free agency starting in less than 24 hours. Um, there are some names, you know, falling. You know, potentially could fall in our laps. There are names that we are worried about. You know, uh, you know, with a, a name of Sezikis or or Palmieri being mentioned, and you know, obviously we hearing. Uh, Zach Parisi and, and, and Suter and among others. Um, your spidey senses, do you, do they tingle under, you know, a certain guy, you know, at least in your mind? You know, not, not looking at from when you have conversations with others, but basically from your mind as to what direction you think they might go? I think they're all going to get signed. Really? I think they're all coming to the Islanders, to be quite honest with you, because it's, and Gil said this before, in in you know in, when he was on with you guys before. The Islanders are built for the playoffs. There isn't really a team in the Metro Division right now that scare the Islanders, like none. Mm-hmm. Philly did not improve. As far as I'm concerned, Carolina losing their goaltender and Dougie Hamilton. Carolina has not improved yet. Pittsburgh and Washington are another year older. Uh, the Rangers, I don't know what the Rangers are doing yet. I'll give Chris Jury the benefit of the doubt for now. But as of this conversation, I don't think there's a team beating the Islanders at all. And, Gary, you and I and John, we've all, we, the three of us have been preaching this. The Islanders are built for the playoffs, which means we may not see this completed team until the trade deadline. That's true. You're right. Okay, so for now, I think Parisi comes over. I think Casey is signed. Uh, I don't think anyone has to worry about Bovillier, Pellick, or Palmieri. I'm finally going to get my third line of Parisi, Pajot, and Palmieri. 
And I, as far as the first-line right-winger, I'm not sure yet. And I think Suter, I still think Suter's going to sign here. And the reason why I said that is, you know, the other teams involved before, I know Art came out with an article, I think Boston was listed, but I think Dallas was the prominent team. I mean, if Suter goes with those other two teams, he's just looking for the money. Yeah, and I think I, I, mean, I also heard that St. Louis just basically dropped out of the bidding. Yeah, I mean, Boston, I mean, Florida just picked up Reinhardt from Buffalo. Yeah. The, the first, that the, the, the top six line from Florida is going to be monstrous. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're going to go to Boston and expect them to beat Florida and Tampa Bay? Come on. Good luck. And then you're going, you know, Dallas? How is Dallas going to get past St. Louis and Colorado? I'm right. sorry. I, I, I'm not seeing it. So, I mean, if Suter wants to win a cup, he's coming to the Islanders. What's your, uh, if well, he's not, no, sorry, if he's not, he's going for the money. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, then it's, it's all about the What money. are your thoughts about, uh, about the Seth Jones deal and him, him turning around and signing a 9.75 times 7 deal? Well, they still have a couple of players on LTIR. So, oh, is that the case? Okay. Yeah, that's the case. And in all honesty, um, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane's contract are over in two years. So over the long term, he's going to be the only expensive Blackhawk. Um, you know, I, I, I think they can afford him. But it, it, as far as Islander fans are concerned, uh, back in the 2013 draft, Seth Jones was drafted with as the best offensive defenseman in that year. The second best defenseman drafted at that time was Ryan Pollock. Yep. At number 13. That's right. So if Ryan Pollock racks up 60 points this year, okay, Islander fans have a problem. They can be a little worried because now I don't think Ryan will ask for nine million, but if he has a career year, maybe asking for seven, seven and a half million, that's not out of the question. And remember, boys and girls, the cap should be flat for the next two years after right. this. That's correct. You know, it's a very important. You know, that's the thing. You know, you, you gotta you gotta realize the numbers as opposed to the faces. You know, everybody's saying pick him, pick him, pick him, but you have to look at the twenty other yeah. guys on your roster right. and what and you have is... to spend. It's not just a simple. You know, as as I always say, the video game solution, and just right. grab them, and that's it. You gotta look. You gotta look forward and backwards. Yeah, a certain member of my family who doesn't seem to understand that there is numbers involved, and you know, a, a, a you know salary cap, and you just can't go out and sign guys because. You mean is his first name synonymous with a name like Cramden? Yes. Okay, got got. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for those worried about Landeskog, um. I'm still hearing right now it's either Seattle or Colorado. He may take less for, you know, to go back to play at Colorado. I'm not sure yet. I think that's the biggest one up in the air. If I'm him, I'm pulling up Panarin, and I'm looking at the best deal, and then I go back to the team that I really want to play for and say, look, this is my deal. What can you do with me? Well, Seattle's got a lot of money, all right. Am I not correct? They're, aren't they around like twenty, like twenty-eight, twenty-nine million? Still, oh left? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I see. I I wouldn't even put the Islanders in may, uh, maybe in third or fourth place. I don't even know Landis Cog's like desire to play. I mean, I'm sure St. Louis is still up there. 
we'll see what they do with Tarasenko. But um, I don't think they're going to be able to unload him. Uh, nobody's really been interested in him. You know, they're kind of staying away. And St. Louis kind of made the statement that, well, most likely he's going to be with us. Well, Armstrong's also been known to just lie to the media like that, which is why some of us don't even believe that. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm whole, I'm keeping Tarasenko available for now. Um, yeah, I don't trust Armstrong when he says something like that because I I don't think there's a tight enough relationship between Tarasenko and the Blues that that's actually going to work, and then that's going to cause drama on the team. And I I'm I'm not holding. Armstrong to that at all. So I'm keeping Tarasenko available for now, but if, going back to Landeskog for a minute, if Tarasenko is somehow traded, I think St. Louis becomes the next player for, for Landeskog. So we'll see what happens. Um, and again, for those of you wanting Tarasenko, I kept hearing that one of the going rates was either Dobson or Wallstrom for Tarasenko. No, no, no. I, I think Which so much I, at this point, you don't have Jordan Eberle to trade, so you're going to have to give up probably Wallstrom to get Tarasenko. Well, going back to that scenario and let's just say sure. let's just say for sake of argument that you know that Tarasenko isn't even a factor in this in this consideration. You and I and John have talked on our uh, you know Isles Talk Live, you know that you can get on facebook.com and in Twitter and all the other places now that we we tend to do um, you know we kind of laid our position that we felt and we still feel that, you know, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, and those guys need to potentially start the year in Bridgeport. With the fact that you lose a Jordan Eberly, how much of that scenario is still the same? Oh, great question. Wow. And that's He's going to come plaudits. back to He's how much. Plaudits, John. I love it. <laughs> well, hold on here. We've got no, two, I've got two go. scenarios here for you. <laughs> Depends on how much we spend on our current players. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. If there is enough cap room, you can go a short-term deal with someone like Mike Hoffman or Ryan Dezingle. Okay. Those are your UFA options. And let's have some fun. Let's say Ryan Suter does go to Dallas. I wouldn't mind bringing in someone like Sammy Votnin from the Anaheim Ducks and former New Jersey Devil. Uh, Votnin would also fit the system at a much cheaper rate. And putting him with Scott Mayfield, I think, would be the absolute perfect thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, there's also an out-of-the-box thought of trading Leo Komarov, Thomas Hickey, and Otto Koivula to the Buffalo Sabres for Skinner. Wow. That's an interesting... In in the respect that Buffalo does pay the maximum 30% of the cap hit. Okay. So they retain retain a portion of the salary, kind of like what they did. They they retain a portion of salary, and at 30%, the Islanders would only be paying about 6.5 a year for like the next five or six years. Right, because Skinner's making like nine and a half, I think, right? Yeah. But but he's got the speed, he's got the shot. He also drives to the net better than Everly ever did. And Matt Barzell would be setting him up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Skinner looked like a lost puppy dog in Buffalo. I think, yeah, again, you know, guys going yeah. for the, going for the dollar instead of going for the deal. You know, or yeah. the team. What do you think yeah. happens to Eichel? Just out of curiosity. Oh, well, that I, I, if I read correctly, I think that whole Ranger deal just fell through. I don't know. Um, yeah, oh, man, I don't know. If what? there's anyone in limbo right now, it's Jack Eichel. What was they? What were they dangling? We, I don't. I didn't see. I, I didn't see anything the, about the Rangers. I mean, I heard the Rangers were interested, but I didn't see that there were actual names involved, other than Larry Brooks. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, they were looking. I believe there are a couple of prospects. I don't know their names are offhand. Okay. But Buffalo wanted a, a certain amount of players, uh, a couple of specific prospects, and the Rangers said no, and that just. Dropped everything. So wow. Yeah, whoever was in the Rangers farm system, they the Rangers didn't want to give them up. Um, and Buffalo was like, okay, you know, Jack Eichel. So we'll see if they go back to that. But yeah, Jack Eichel right now is in limbo. It's quite interesting. Good. Uh, interesting Another good question tale. there, John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a great interesting. T- that's what I say. It, it just every year you, you you approach free agency thinking you know. Nothing crazy is going to happen, and then you get all these questions and and the the potential possibilities and trades and everything pops up, and you know it makes uh you know people like um you know the friends of uh, Einstein and uh, you know Isaac Newton you know uh, very relevant. Yeah. Oh God, uh, you know I'll be busting no, you know, be bust in about, about ten minutes off the air when I get in the car. Of course, <laughs> of course, but I think we should find out about Parisi. And Suter tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think At so. least those two by tomorrow. Everyone else, in all honesty, Islander fans, I wouldn't worry about the rest of the team. So they'll be back. We'll just have to figure out the first line right wing. Yeah, that's got me wondering. And again, it's an interesting, it's a, it's a, it's a good dilemma to have as opposed to past years Islander Nation. It's so. a very good dilemma to have. And, and, and again, Mike Hoffman for a year or two or Ryan Dezingle for a year or two, that's fine. We have a third line to go along with, you know, whoever mm-hmm. we bring in exactly. on the inexpensive side. We'll see what happens. And you get your fourth line going. So, all right. So, Paul, yep. we, again, as always, we thank you for coming on. Please tell everybody how to get in touch with you and all the information that you provide to uh, Islander Nation. Uh, IELTS Talk is uh, IELTSTalk.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at those names. Uh, we also have our own YouTube channel, so make sure you guys like and subscribe. And you can find me on Twitter at P underscore Kreischer. And on Wednesday, we're coming up with you in another show. We'll go over the draft real quick, free agency, and what's ahead for the Islanders. And a lot of water cooler talk as well. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, a lot of water cooler talk. Well, yep. you know, uh, we, call, we call you the third wheel between John and I, but, we, you know, we, we always appreciate you uh, you coming on. <laughs> You know, I know it gets you through your Sunday night when we're on the air, right? Yes, you do. I'll give you that. Yeah, okay. We'll talk to you in about 15 minutes. Thanks, guys. Talk All right, thank you. Again, Paul Kreischer at Isles Talk. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe everything. We want to thank Gil Martin and Tim Boyle and, of course, Paul Kreischer for coming on. Thank Brian Graves on the other side of the glass. He's ready to get out of the studio in a few yep. minutes. And, uh, John, always a pleasure as usual. Yep. Uh, we're not going to be on until in September because both – um, John and I are going 
We're going to be in the Hawaiian Islands in the month of August and September, which is nice. We get away from here. Yeah. Well, and uh, Long overdue. Yeah, we'll be back on, I believe, after Labor Day. So that will be training camp starts, NFL starting, the Mets push to the playoffs, the Yankees, well, whatever they tend to do. And, uh, you know, we'll see what goes. Yeah, you know, we'll see been, where we're at. It's been, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a fun summer. And, you know, uh, you know, I know September comes and life as I knew it, as I know it, goes back to almost normal when I have to commute back to work in the city. And, you know, things are getting back. And it's great that, you know, sports has been such a, a wonderful place to, uh, you know, get away from all the craziness that has gone on in our lives and um it's been a great vehicle for us and you know maybe now you know as the summer hits the winter and hopefully things are uh looking up as far as people vaccinated and you know getting uh you know getting back to normal that you know uh we see some good things happen, you know, as far as Islander fans are concerned. Yeah, we new know building, a new building 20th. is coming on November 20th after that 13-game road trip. We didn't talk about it, but um, it should be a lot of fun. Um, like I said, so if you want to reach out to us, at G. Harding WGBB, at Hockey Blindside. John, it was great as always. And in the words of uh, the late, great Bill Hayes, keep skating, everybody. Have a great night, and thanks for tuning on to WGBB Sports Talk on 95.9 and 1240 AM WGBB. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.